I just wanted to start off this morning. I, I, some of you are like, you know, how, do, how does this affect us? And what, what did, how does the, does the queen's demise, um, how does that affect the world? Um, I'm telling you, this is probably bigger than any of us realize. First of all, you got to remember, she became a queen. We're talking about Queen Elizabeth. How many of y'all know she, she died? She went home to be home with the Lord. She, she's a believer. She was a follower of Jesus. Hello? I mean, it's not too many people that will come out publicly and say, this is what we believe. Um, but her, uh, her transition um, into heaven, <laughs> if I could say it that way, was a pretty amazing thing. Because a few days before she went home to be with the Lord, they actually installed a new prime minister. Now, a prime minister in a monarchy like that is kind of like um, is kind of like the, it's the head of state. It's kind of like our president, actually. The prime minister is like our president. So, you know, I, I have been. Um, I think my soul has been grieved because of what has taken place and how things have taken place. But you ladies, I mean, this woman opened up the door for women to be able to be involved in anything. I mean, think about this. How many of you are set over 70 years old? Okay, one, two, it's three, four. So 70 years old. She was, she was the queen for 70 years. I mean, everybody else that's not 70 years, you're like... That's a long time. Those of you that are 70, you're like, man, it seems like a short time because you're 70 or older. She, she was at 25 years old. She was running a country. Think about that. Because when you get into the Bible and you start reading in the, in the Old Testament and you start reading about some of these, these kings in the Old Testament, some of them were 9 years old. Some of them were 17 years old. She was 25, and when we look at that and we read that and we think, oh, that's, that's wild. How can a nine-year-old kid be running the kingdom? Are you with me? There were some kings of Judah or Israel, and they were, they were young, 12, 13 years old. Sophia, can you imagine being running a nation at 13 years old? Or, you know what I mean? Or 12? I mean, it's, it's amazing. She was 25 years old when she stepped into this. Our, our nations have gotten away from honor. And I want you to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a minute and I want to show this video. This was, first of all, this video came to me because I have a relationship with, with Bishop James Larby. And he is a pastor in London. So how many of you know he's right there at ground central of everything that's going on, that's been going on for the past few days, it'll go on for the next five or six days or week or whatever it might be. And he sent me this video, and I really felt like I, I wanted you guys to be able to see that. Can you flip some lights that she's got there? at the window? I want us to be able to see this. I'm going to kind of step out of the way so you can you, see this video. I hope the house will not mind if I begin with a personal confession. A few months ago, the BBC came to see me to talk. About her Majesty Can you Queen, pause that just a second? This, this is Boris Johnson. And they requested that I are, are you not able to Mr. pause Speaker, it? I hope the House will not mind if I begin with a... Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I hope the House will not mind if I begin with a personal confession. I guess you can't ago, pause it. Came to see me to talk about this is Boris Johnson. He, is the, he was the Prime Minister a week ago. 
earlier last week, the queen installed a new prime minister. By the way, she was female. And I'm not sure if that's the first prime minister. Some of y'all may know that she might have been the first prime minister that's female. But Boris Johnson worked closely with the queen. And now he's won. This is parliament with the, that he's standing up in, in the middle of the, the British parliament. So uh, I just kind of want to lay that down. This is a, a guy that's worked closely with her. When she worked at, with the prime minister, they worked closely together. The queen was supposed to be neutral. It wasn't about like nowadays where we see one party taking over and doing whatever that one party wants to do. The queen was to be neutral on whoever the party was, whoever the leader of the party was, because they worked together for the common good. So this was Boris Johnson, and he's the former prime minister, um, and I just wanted you to see this. Thank you. Sorry. To talk about Her Majesty the Queen, and we sat down, and the cameras started rolling, and they requested that I should talk about her in the past tense. And I'm afraid I simply choked up and I couldn't go on. I'm really not easily moved to tears. But I was so overcome with sadness that I had to ask them to go away. And I know that today there are countless people in this country and around the world who have experienced the same sudden access of unexpected emotion. And I think millions of us are trying to understand why we are feeling this deep and personal and almost familial sense of loss. Perhaps it's partly that she's always been there, a changeless human reference point in British life. The person who, all the surveys say, appears most often in our dreams so unvarying in her pole star radiance that we have perhaps been lulled into thinking that she might be in some way eternal. But I think our shock is keener today because we are coming to understand in her death the full magnitude of what she did for us all. And think of what we asked that 25-year-old woman all those years ago. To be the person so globally trusted that her image should be on every unit of our currency, every postage stamp, the person in whose name all justice is dispensed in this country, every law passed, to whom every minister of the crown swears allegiance, and for whom every member of our armed services is pledged, if necessary, to lay down their lives. Think what we asked of her in that moment. Not just to be the living embodiment in, in her DNA of the history and continuity and unity of this country, but to be the figurehead of our entire system, the keystone in the vast arch of the British state, a role that only she could fulfill because in the brilliant and durable bargain of the constitutional monarchy. Only she could be trusted to be above any party political or commercial interest and to incarnate impartially the very concept and essence of the nation. Think what we asked of her and think what she gave. She showed the world 
not just how to reign over a people, she showed the world how to give, how to love, and how to serve. And as we look back at that vast arc of service, its sheer duration is almost impossible to take in. She was the last living person in British public life to have served in uniform in the Second World War. She was the first female member of the royal family in a thousand years to serve full-time in the armed forces. And that impulse to do her duty carried her right through into her 10th decade to the very moment in Balmoral, as my right honourable friend has said, only three days ago, when she saw off her 14th Prime Minister and welcomed her 15th. And I can tell you, in that audience, she was as radiant and as knowledgeable and as fascinated by politics as ever I can remember, and as wise in her advice as anyone I know, if not wiser. And over that extraordinary span of public service, with her naturally retentive and inquiring mind, I think, and doubtless many of the 15 would agree, that she became the greatest statesman and diplomat of all. And she knew instinctively how to cheer up the nation, how to lead a celebration. I remember her innocent joy more than 10 years ago after the opening ceremony of the London Olympics when I told her that the leader of a friendly Middle Eastern country seemed actually to believe that she had jumped out of a helicopter <laughs> in a pink dress and parachuted into the stadium. And I remember her equal pleasure on being told just a few weeks ago that she had been a smash hit in her performance with Paddington Bear. And perhaps more importantly, she knew how to keep us going when times were toughest. In 1940, when this country and this democracy faced the real possibility of extinction, she gave a broadcast, aged only 14, that was intended to reassure the children of Britain. She said then, we know, every one of us, that in the end, all will be well. She was right. And she was right again in the darkest days of the COVID pand pandemic when she came on our screens and told us that we would meet again. And we did. And I know I speak for other prime ministers when I say ex-prime ministers, when I say that she helped to comfort and guide us as well as the nation because she had the patience and the sense of history to see that troubles come and go and that disasters are seldom as bad as they seem. And it was that indomitability, that humour, that work ethic and that sense of history which together made her Elizabeth the Great. And when I call her that, I should add one, Elizabeth the Great, I should add one final quality, of course, which was her humility, her single bar electric fire Tupperware using refusal to be grand. And unlike us politicians, with our outriders and our armour-plated convoys, I can tell you, as a direct eyewitness, that she drove herself in her own car with no detectives and no bodyguard, bouncing at alarming speed 
over the Scottish landscape to the total amazement of the ramblers and the tourists we encountered. And it is that indomitable spirit with which she created the modern constitutional monarchy. An institution so strong and so happy and so well understood, not just in this country, but in the Commonwealth and around the world, that the succession has already seamlessly taken place. And I believe she would regard it as her own highest achievement, that her son, Charles III, will clearly and amply follow her own extraordinary standards of duty and service. And the fact that today we can say with such confidence, God save the King, is a tribute to him, but above all to Elizabeth the Great, who worked so hard for the good of her country, not just now, but for generations to come. That is why we mourn her so deeply. And it is in the depths of our grief that we understand why we loved her so much. So she was an amazing person. I thank you for turning the lights back on. She was, she was called. She had a destiny. I, there's, a, there's a show uh, um, called The Crown. Um, has anybody seen that? There's, there's a few. When you watch that, you're, you see, I, I don't know what the truth is to it, but there, I'm thinking there's a lot of it that's very, very true. It's very real. From a very young age, she was being groomed. She had a calling. She had a plan. She had a destiny. And you look back now, there's nobody, anybody that said when she was 25 years old, number one said that she probably wouldn't last. And there's no way that you would have said if she's 25 that she will reign for 70 years. Everybody would have said there's just no way. It's not possible. How do you fill the shoes of somebody that this, that's that this large? How do you fill the shoes of what takes place? And Charles has got a lot of shoes to fill. But he also, our, our, I want our prayers to be for him. Because there's a lot of things that take place that you may not realize. Our country and Great Britain, our England is close. Um, there has been times where that nation stood with our nation. And I'm not going to get into the history of all of that today. But I want you to just take a moment and just pray for me as we pray for the British people. Father, right now today as we've just come together and, and we know that the royal family is walking through something that they've never walked through before. And we as a nation actually as a world is walking through something that we've never walked through before to this magnitude. I thank you for the rights that she has been able to afford and give to females in every position, in every area, in every country. I thank you that she was a groundbreaker. I thank you that she was a woman of integrity and is, like he said, humility. And that, Father, we pray for King Charles. And we just ask that you show your goodness and your grace to him. I pray that he will experience you Jesus and that you will show up in his bedroom and that you will give him the wisdom that he needs to have and and you will help him with as his relationship with you in Jesus name
I pray. And everybody said amen. Uh, you've got your Bibles. Turn with me to Romans chapter 9. I'm going to take just a few minutes, and we're going to get into a couple of things this morning. Real quick, I want to talk a little bit about righteousness by faith. Say that with me. Righteousness by faith. I'm going to give you a couple of scriptures and give you a review real quick of what we talked a little bit about last week. I believe it was last week. We've been talking about our thoughts, haven't we? Have you guys been thinking about your thoughts? Your thoughts, we, 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 we control our lives through our thoughts. Our thoughts have memories that are attached to it. We wanted you to think about what you're thinking about so you can change what you're thinking about, but you got to think about it first. Can I get an amen? So we're going to talk a little bit about righteousness by faith. But first, real quick, we talked about the word repent. Everybody says repent. So we looked at the scriptures about the word repent, and the word repent literally means to think differently. Think differently. A lot of times we look at some different things in our lives and we say, you know what, we need to think differently about that. How many of you know God is a good God? And some of us are like, no, no, he's the God of lightning bolts, and he's the God of destruction, and he's... You need to think differently that, that God is God and I am not, and, and he wants us to begin to think differently. Let's take a look at some scriptures real quick. I want you to look at Matthew four seventeen, where Jesus came in and he began to preach saying what? Think differently for the kingdom, for, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. His, he, it, we, we see it as repent. That Greek word is to think differently. Everybody say it with me. Think differently. We got to think differently. Jesus was coming in and he was saying, you guys need to think differently because there's going to be some things that are going to change. Next scripture, I believe, uh, was Mark 1.15. It says, the time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. What? Think differently and believe in the good news. How many of you got to know, there's people that I talk to and we talk to them about Jesus and they, they don't even think Jesus is good. They think they just got, they just think differently. But he's saying what you guys have to do is to think differently. Because when Jesus was coming, let me give you a little background. When he was coming on, when he was on earth and he was coming into his fullness of, 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 of the Son of God and for his plan and purpose and his destiny, there was going to be a shifting from the Old Testament to the New Testament. There was going to be a shifting of operating by law and operating by grace. And we have to think differently because a lot of us, some days, we, we still operate by law. And, and, and we understand that. So the next scripture, last one that I want to give you is Mark six twelve, Because the disciples were preaching after Jesus had taught them. And they, and they said that men should what? He said men should repent. And he said men should what? Think differently. So, so we see where we need to begin to think differently. And I want to give you something to think about. How many of you really know the word righteousness? Anybody know what that means? Right standing. That's good. That's, that's, that's a great definition for it. Right standing. So we're going to talk about righteousness by faith. We're going to get into Romans. And I want us to go ahead and turn there if you've got your Bible, if you've got a phone and you can pull the Bible up on it, pull it up on there. If you've got your iPad, feel free to bring it. Get on your Bible in that way. I've got what's called the old-fashioned Bible. You guys see the old-fashioned Bible? It's got pages. Oops. It's also falling apart. Shelly will give me a hard time about my little Bible. It's like, I want to get you a new Bible. I'm like, no, no I, this one's good. I don't need a new one. Amen. It's, it's still good. But we're going to get to Romans chapter 9 in just a minute. 
So righteousness by faith. The righteousness of God is revealed in Romans by the Apostle Paul. His writing, he's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. This is, uh, Romans is the key to understanding Paul's teaching throughout the New Testament. The first man, Adam, sinned by disobeying God, and the result was that all men were sinners, doomed to eternal death. But God provides salvation by his grace, his unmerited, undeserved favor through faith alone. It cannot be earned by human effort of any kind. Somebody ought to say amen for that. You know what I mean? It's like, and that's the thing that we were shifting, God was shifting. Justification and righteousness, which means, Cindy was right, right standing with God before God, are provided in and through Jesus Christ to all who accept him as Lord and Savior. Paul emphasizes that salvation is directly available to all mankind, both Jews and Gentiles. He also discusses various responsibilities of those who accept and believe in Jesus Christ. They are subject to all civil authorities. They are to serve one another. And in general, we are to become like Christ in our values and our personal conduct. I could stop there and preach. Let me read that to you again. We're to serve one another. We are to generally to become like Christ in our values and personal conduct. That, in essence, is what transformation is all about. We've been asking you to begin to think and that the good news was for everybody. In the book of Romans, Paul was actually dealing with um, the Israelites and the Jewish people and then the Gentiles were coming in and the Gentiles were not accepted as any, anything worth anything from the Jewish people, from the Israelites. The Israelites were proud. They were, they were saying, hey, we are, we're God's chosen people. And Paul was trying to break this down because when Jesus came in and said, you got to think differently, I believe that part of that thinking was, was that the, the gospel, the good news of Christ and who he came for was also available for the Gentiles because they were out. Anybody know about some, sometimes you're, you're either in or you're out. And when you're out, you're out. And when you're in, you're in. It was a, it was a deal where, where one of the guys... Uh, in, in the show that I was watching about the crown and, and it was like he said when you don't know if you're in with them that are in but he said with the royal you know you're out if you're out and it's, and it's very, very, us very understanding that, that when we realize that, that God wants all of us to be included it's not just for the Israelites it's for everybody come on somebody it's not just for those people that are hurting. It's for everybody. It's not just for rich folk. It's for everybody. Can I get an amen? I mean, the gospel, the good news of Christ and who he is, is for everybody. It doesn't matter where you came from, where you're going. You can be from England or you can be, you know, from, from Australia. You can be from wherever you want to. Uh, Germany, you can be from Germany, right? And, and you can be anywhere, from anywhere you want to, but the gospel is for you. Can I get an amen? So let's look real quick on Romans chapter 9. I want to look at verse 30. I want to start out because the earlier chapters in Romans, he was talking about there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. If you're feeling condemnation, it's not God putting condemnation on you. 
And it's us trying to understand the difference between condemnation and the feeling of condemnation and conviction of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit will convict us of things that we're not doing. It will convict us to think differently. The Spirit Spirit of God will do that, but He will do that always with hope and always with a way out. Israel versus the Gentiles and the righteousness was from the law in a new way and for them to think differently. So in the Old Testament, before I get into this real quick, in the Old Testament, the righteousness of God was through works. Are you with me? How good you could work. Could you keep the Ten Commandments? Are you with me? Can you keep the Ten Commandments? And if you broke the Ten Commandments, and we all break the Ten Commandments, and that's what happened then, I believe God was trying to teach us that it wasn't about the works. We look back now and see that it wasn't about the works, although works are important. But it was about, the, it was about being made righteous through Christ. So we, were, we know that the Old Testament, if you read the Old Testament, And you can get in there and you can get bogged down on some stuff. But if you read the Old Testament, it's going to show you that they needed Jesus. They needed a Savior. They needed a Savior. They had to have a Savior. And it wasn't about how good they could be or the Ten Commandments that they could keep. Do you guys remember even Jesus himself in in the New Testament where he was looking at picking another disciple there was the, the, the rich young ruler that they talked about. And he said, I've kept all these commandments since I was a youth. And Jesus was like, that's all well and good, but go sell everything you have or whatever and give to the poor and then come and follow me. So he was saying, look, there is those things that that we do through the law, but you've got to think differently now because it's not about how good you are. Hello? It's about who you belong to. Can somebody give me an amen out there? So let's look at this. Romans chapter 9. What did I say? Verse 30. Let's start at verse 30. Romans 9.30. Did I say 30? Oh, that's Romans 8. I was going to say, that doesn't make sense. Here we go. So what shall I say then? That Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness obtained righteousness, even the righteousness that is by faith. Everybody say by faith. Let's look at this. But Israel, pursuing a law of righteousness, did not arrive at that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as though it were by works. So we've got a righteousness that's operating by works under the Old Testament. And under the New Testament, the New Covenant, we've got a a righteousness that is by faith. By faith in what? By faith in whom? Okay, Jesus, right, right, right. Let's look at this. Why? Because they didn't pursue it by faith, but as they were by works, they stumbled over the stumbling stone, just as it is written. And he's quoting Isaiah. Behold, I lay in the Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. That's Jesus. Everybody say, that's Jesus. Verse 10, or chapter 10. Brethren, my heart's desire and my prayer of God is for their salvation. Whose salvation? He's talking about the Gentiles. The Israelites thought, we're, we're the ones that we've got salvation. We, we, we belong to Abraham. Right? We're Abraham's. We're Abraham's. We belong to Moses. We're, we, we, we've got the salvation, and the Gentiles don't have the salvation. Now, all of a sudden, come on, 
When Jesus said we've got to think differently for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, it was including others that were outside of it. So he goes on in, in verse 2, he says, For I testify about them that they have a zeal for God, but not in accordance with knowledge. For not knowing about God's righteousness. We need to know about God's righteousness. God, Our relationship, our, our standing with God is not based on how much money you give. It's not based on how many good works you give. Those are all great. Those are all wonderful things. But it's not based on that. And seeking to establish their own. You cannot establish your own righteousness. You cannot establish your own. They did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. Verse 4. For Christ is in the end, is the end of the law for righteousness for everyone who believes. For Moses writes that the man who practices the righteousness which is based on the law shall live by that righteousness. Verse 6, but the righteousness based on faith speaks as follows. Do not say in your heart who will ascend to heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, it's in your mouth and it's in your heart, that is the word of faith which we are preaching. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. He goes on and explains it. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness. With the heart a person believes, and when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, it results in what? Right relationships and the right standing with God. It was about belief. In the Old Testament, it wasn't about belief. It was about keeping the Ten Commandments and how good you would be. Then you would be able to work for your righteousness. But I'm here to tell you, it's not about working for your righteousness today. Although work is good, doing those things are a byproduct of my righteousness. But it's about believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. Give me a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Somebody say believe. Come on, say believe. It's about believing. It's about believing who he is and what he's done for you. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's my Lord, but he's also my Savior. I believe that he died, rose again. There's a whole song that gives us a really a theological understanding of how we believe. We believe who he is. We believe that he was born of a virgin Mary. We believe that he is the son of God, the living God. Are you with me? We believe in the heaven and earth. We believe in redemption. We believe in faith. We believe, we believe, we believe, we believe. I believe in Jesus. And it's about believing in Jesus. So when Jesus himself was coming and saying, guess what? we got to think differently for the kingdom of heaven operates differently than what you're operating in now. And I know we talked a little bit about the monarchy today, but there, that, that was originally based off of biblical scripture of the kingdom. We have a king for our kingdom. That's probably the closest thing on earth. I guess uh, Swaziland is probably the best, the best, um, the best example of a kingdom. That's, that's, that's kind of like biblical, and that's actually part of the, the British colonies. They're, that's part of them. 
So when we begin to see this, we begin to see what Paul is doing. He's laying this down, and he's saying, look, the Word of God's got to be in you or near you. It's got to be in your mouth and your heart, and it's got to be the Word of faith. And he says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you're going to be what? Saved. What does that mean? That saved is salvation. It's a sozo. It means it means understanding the works of Christ, but it means receiving what God had for us. Everything that Jesus has is for me. Come on, he didn't do it on himself, for himself, by himself, because of himself. He did it because this was what the way the Father had brought us back to a place of being redeemed was through the blood of Jesus Christ. And it was he shed his blood for us so we could have what? Life and life more abundantly, John 10, 10. He says the thief comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. Guys, if it's stealing, killing, and destroying, it's the thief. It's the enemy. It's not God. I mean, I would love to. Some people are like, man, this, this, this hurricane or this, well, tornado or this earthquake or whatever it might be that opened up. And we can look at some things in the Old Testament and see that that took place. And that was before the blood of Christ. That was before the cross at Calvary. Because there's three things that happened on the cross. When Christ was put on that cross, some of the things from the Old Testament either was changed, deleted, or done away with altogether. Excuse me. It was changed or deleted, done away with altogether, or remained the same. When you pass it through the cross, when you pass it through Christ, when you pass it through what he's done, you can look at some things. It's kind of like, you know, in the Old Testament, it said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. So, Shelly slaps me, I slap her back. No, no. When you pass that through the cross, he did what? He changed it. When you begin to look at what the law said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, Josiah smacks me, I smack him back. He smacks me, I smack him back. He smacks me, I smack him back. That's under the Old Covenant. Are you with me? That's under the Old Testament. When you pass it through the cross, it comes out, and when he smacks me, I'm supposed to do what? <laughs> what? That is wrong. Don't even try that. I don't even try that. You know what I mean? It's like, so we look at that because why? We want to live by that. We've got to think differently. So when I get, when somebody hurts me, do I hurt them back? If I'm operating under the Old Testament, sure, hurt them back. And sometimes it's almost easier. It's almost easier. I remember kids that they just like go outside and duke it out. Sometimes and then they go outside and duke it out. And then Dwayne, two days later, they're out there playing in the yard together. You know what I mean? I thought they didn't like each other. It didn't matter. They forgot about all that stuff. But when you pass it through the cross, it comes out into the grace of God. And listen, church, grace is harder than the law. If he says, if I slap you on this cheek, do what? If I drag you one mile, do what? Go with them too. Grace, forgiveness, excuse me, mercy, God's love. All of those things is when, you, when we begin to operate in that. The righteousness of God is by faith. Say that with me. The righteousness of God is by faith. It's by faith. I am the righteousness of God, not because I preached a message this morning. 
Not because I came in here to worship. Not because I gave tithes and offerings. Those are all good things to do and they help my heart to stay right with God. But the righteousness of God that I operate on, Cindy, the right standing with God is because of my faith in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. It is not my faith in Buddha. It is not my faith in Harry Krishner. It is not my faith in the Church of Scientology. It is not my faith in Muslim. Come on, somebody. It is my faith that is in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Hallelujah. So Paul was trying to shift a mindset of, of the Jews that said, they don't get to come in here. Because did you know, you realize, uh, uh, okay, I won't go there. But in the temple, there was an outer court for those that wanted to come and worship. But you couldn't get to the inner court, and you definitely couldn't get into the Holy of Holies. Number one, even if you were a if you were a priest, there were ways that you could be elected, appointed to get into the Holy of Holies. But how many of you know, God said, I'm going to take care of all of that. And that's what Jesus was dealing with. Guys, he was dealing with a mindset that said, I'm not good enough. And he's saying, no, you are good enough. I'm not holy enough. God says, I can make you holy. I'm not righteous enough because I broke all these commandments. Then let's make the righteousness be about faith in Jesus Christ. The righteousness of God is by faith. It's not by works. My salvation is by faith in Christ. It's not by works, lest any man should boast. Because if you did it, you'd be going around, look what I did, man. But I did. See, I was able to do that. I was able to do that. Well, guess what? When you do that, you got your reward. It's done. I would rather do it and not tell anybody about it. And then Christ is the one who rewards me. Can I get an amen for that? So righteousness is by faith. If we're talking about our thoughts, and Mario mentioned love yourself today. If I was to tie that in and say, how do I love myself? I've got to love others. But you know what? We've found if you don't love yourself, you don't love others. You don't love others as deeply as you need to love others. We, we don't love each other. God wants us to experience that. I want you to experience the love of God. When you experience the love of God, and I don't want, I hope you don't have to experience it like I had to experience, like I've experienced it going through the tragedy and the horror that we've gone through. I don't ever want anybody, but you, you got to understand that God is there in the middle of my tragedy. He's there in the middle of my horror. He's there in the middle of those things. Jesus said, listen, you need to know this. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You may walk away from God, but he's not walking away from you. You may head in the other direction, but guess what? I believe he's right there hanging with you. <laughs> it's like, you know what? I'm hanging, I'm going this way. Like, I'm, I'm going in the same direction you are. The Holy Spirit's going to be with you. The Holy Spirit's going to be with you. I want to close saying this. When we begin to experience the love of God, it will change the way we think. It'll change our thoughts. 
It'll change our, our perception of taking somebody that's unlovely and loving them. And Jesus was saying, I need you to change your thoughts because these Gentiles get to come in. They get to come in. Up until those, that point, as the kingdom of heaven was being ushered in, it wasn't for the Gentiles. And now, guess what it is? It's, it was then. Jesus was coming in and he was changing that. He said, Paul, you're going to do this. And Peter, you're going to go to them and this group. And we're going to bring this together. And we're going to make what the Bible talks about as one new man. One new man. The Jews and the Gentiles coming together, creating one new man. That's what Jesus was after. And everybody that was trained, the Israelites would look at that and go, I can't wrap my mind around that. And Jesus was saying, I need you to change the way you think. Because this is what's taking place. God has reconciled us through the blood of Jesus Christ. He's reconciled you. He's brought you to that place. He's made it right. His blood covers my sin, my mistakes, my thought processes that I need to be renewed. He's redeemed me. When we talked about Romans, and that's what he was after with the church at Rome, was he was saying, look, guys, this is what's taking place. Paul was saying, this is what's taking place. These are coming together. And because of their belief in Christ, they become righteous. Not by the law. Not by how much good works you do. But because they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you here today and you don't know Jesus? Are you here today and you really are going, I don't know if I've had an experience. I want to give you that opportunity. Will you just stand to your feet? The righteousness of God, right relationship with God is by faith. Everybody say by faith. Eaton's Bible Dictionary says the righteousness is justification. Same word, same thing. A forensic team opposed to the condemnation as regards its nature. It is a judicial act of God by which he pardons all sins of those who believe in Christ and accounts, accepts, and treats them as righteous in the eyes of the law, as conformed to all of its demands. In addition to the pardon of sin, justification declares that all claims for the law are satisfied in respect of the justified. Listen, church, the law is not set aside. The law is not overridden. The law is fulfilled. And with the fulfillment, then it comes Christ's righteousness is perfect because it did what? It satisfied the law. So it's like this, guys. Elizabeth, it's like, I, 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 I paid this price for this, and I get the title to the automobile. Once you've paid for it once, you don't have to go back and pay again for that vehicle, right? Once you do that, 
See, well, a lot of us are trying to go back again and trying to make it right and make it right and make it right. And Christ has said, I paid for that. I paid for that. You don't have to pay again. But what we do is we then live our lives as the righteousness of God. So as we are seeking to change our thoughts and how we think, I need you to think more about God. I need you to think more about what Christ has done. I, think you, I, I want you to think more about the goodness of God and the love of God. Did you know the Bible says it's the kindness of God, the goodness of God that brings us to repent? And we're thinking about repentance is the same word of changing your mind, metaneo. It's changing your mind. It's the goodness of God, the kindness of God that leads a man to change his mind about who God is in your life. Will you close your eyes this morning? If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, maybe you need to change your mind. Maybe you need to know that he is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the one that satisfied under the law the requirements to fulfill the law and bring us into the righteousness, his righteousness. If that's you today, would you just slip your hand up to me? I want to pray for you. Anybody here want to receive Jesus this morning? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Anybody? Anybody? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The Bible says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, thou shalt be saved. You believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, and you confess, or believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. He says, thou shalt be saved. Everybody say, Jesus is Lord. Today, as we're walking in righteousness, we know righteousness is by faith. That as we leave this building today, God, you love us and you've, you, you, you don't love us anymore just because we came to church, but you don't love us any less because, because we didn't come to church. However that works, God, we know that you love us no matter what. And that love is based on our belief in Jesus. My prayer for you is to just believe in Jesus. And maybe some of you have gotten to the point where we just, we believed, but then we have kind of, through the years, have let that go. Believe again. 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 Some of you just keep believing. Keep believing. Keep believing. Keep standing. Keep going forward. Keep believing in Him. Keep believing in the goodness of God. Keep believing in His grace and His mercy. Keep believing that God is good and He's good all the time and all the time He is good. Keep believing that God's got a way out. Keep believing that you can do all things possible for him that believe in him. There's nothing impossible for you. You can begin to believe in God. Believe God to guide you. Believe God to lead you. Believe God that you have a plan and a purpose and a destiny in your life. That's one of the things I could tell you that I know is that, is that Queen Elizabeth believed that God had a plan and a purpose and a destiny for her life. And she did that and she filled that for 70 years. Just keep believing. Keep believing. Right now, God, I'm just asking you just to begin to stir up faith and that they start thinking about their righteousness and their righteousness is only from Jesus Christ. And they walk in that righteousness that is by faith, by faith in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. We bless you. Turn to somebody and say, keep believing. Come on, tell them, keep believing. 
You guys be blessed. We're going to be here for you if you want some prayer today. Let us pray for you. Go forth in his power and his might. God bless you guys. Have a great afternoon.